Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. We are in our series called Speak to It. Speak to it. And we have been talking about the importance of your words, right? The power of your words, the power of what you speak, the power of what you say. And your words are, you know, it goes along with that old cliche that, you know, your thoughts lead to your words and your words lead to your actions and your actions lead leads to your character and your character leads to your destiny. You know, your words are in there. It's the second thing right after your thoughts, what you say can set you on a course. It can set your destiny. And so it's so important about what you speak over your life, what you speak over others' lives. And we've talked about the importance of words. We've talked about um, speaking to obstacles in our life. We've talked about speaking to um, sickness even in our life and those things. And this morning, I want to spend a few minutes talking to you about speaking to the poverty mindset. The poverty mindset. And I think this is, this is very, very important. And by many, many people, including many Christians, I think uh, we are misinformed about this mindset. Okay? Now, let me just start off by um, saying, please, don't, do not get me wrong. This is not a get-rich-quick uh, message or some sort of sloppy grace message or a sloppy prosperity message or anything like that. We are talking this morning about speaking to the poverty mindset. There are those who have a poverty mindset. And I was talking about that with my wife, and she said, well, how do you know? How do, how, you know what's a poverty mindset? How do you know? I said, well, we're going to talk about that. We'll see. And I think um, in some respects, you'd be surprised at really what a poverty mindset is. See, you can, you can have money in the bank and still have a poverty mindset. See, a poverty mindset is something that does not glorify God at all. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to go there. If you have a device and you can get to Scripture, uh, you're welcome to turn there as well. Um, if you don't have one and your neighbor does, you can cheat off of them. This is a class where you, you're allowed to cheat. Uh, in fact, it's encouraged. Uh, you know, when, it's re when you're reading Scripture, Jeannie, that's only what I'm... When you're reading Scripture, it's encouraged to cheat, but, you know. And... Um, but if not, we will have it up on the board for you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says this. It says, and God is able to make all, here's my word, all, all grace abound to you so that having, here's the word again, all sufficiency in how many things? All things at how many times? All times you may abound in every good work having sufficiency in all things at all times that you may abound in every good work. So God even has a purpose for this sufficiency that we should have. You see, 
poverty and this poverty mindset, it means different things to different people. It has many aspects, faces, and, and causes. And what we do know about poverty is, though it is a reality, Jesus said so himself. He said, the poor will be with you always, right? He said that in scripture. But what we know about it is the purpose of it, come on now, follow me, the purpose of it is not biblical, the purpose of it. I'm not telling you that there won't be poor among you. Jesus said that there will be. But just follow me. In other words, God never created anyone to be in poverty to glorify that the poverty itself would glorify him. Okay? Poverty doesn't glorify God. Now, the eradication of poverty glorifies God. In the same way that sickness doesn't glorify God, but healing would glorify him. You understand what I'm saying? It's not the sickness itself. And I hope that that message can get through to our hearts this morning because there are so many people and so many Christians that feel like if I can uh, just struggle and show God that I'm struggling, then he will have mercy on me and that will glorify him in some way. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life. He didn't say, I come that you might be in poverty. He, he didn't say, I come that you might live in lack. He said, I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Now, if you want to argue with someone, argue with the scripture about that because that's John 10, 10, where Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So when I look at passages like that, then to me, it becomes very clear that it is not our destiny as a child of God to be in poverty our whole life doesn't mean things won't come against us. It doesn't mean that we won't have mountains to climb or hills to get over. It doesn't mean that there won't be obstacles in our life, but your destiny is not poverty. That's what I want you to understand this morning. And God's economic system is much different than our economic system. And nowhere in the description or the bylaws of God's kingdom would you see that poverty is a necessity or it's a necessary part for it to function. Nowhere will you see in scripture where it says we need poverty in order to function. Jesus says it's there. It is here. It is here. It is here, but it's here because of fallen man. It wasn't his original purpose. You see, our economic worldview sees people as, what, self-interested. We're, we're self-interested individuals with a limitless mindset in a limited world. All right, so that we can consume and see how much we can acquire. We can increase our consumption and our leisure by earning as much as possible. That's our goal, and that's our end game in our economic system of the world. Now, juxtapose that with the economic system of the kingdom of God. Here's Jesus with his parables of well-dressed lilies that neither labor or toil nor spin. And wealthy farmers who will be punished for hoarding and saving too much and not giving. His commands to lend without expecting in return and to invest into heavenly dwellings. This is much different than the world mindset, the world economic system, okay? He, 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 he establishes communities in Acts chapter 4 where we have all things in common and there is no lack amongst anybody. We can see what Jesus' purpose is for us and it's not to be in lack. It is not to have a poverty mindset. 
Let's look at this a scripture that we just read this morning again. And I want to look at it in the New Living Version. And in fact, let's expand it a little bit. We looked at verse uh, 8. Let's look at verses 6 through 15. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Version. Okay? Let's just expand it. Let's get it in context. Because so often we pick a scripture out. And I think that's a flaw for a lot of Christians. We'll pick one scripture out and we'll make a whole doctrine off of that one scripture. So let's look at this in context in the New Living Version. It says this, it says, remember, Paul is speaking, remember the man who plants only a few seeds will not have much grain to gather. I would say that would make sense, especially to a farmer. Man who plants many seeds will have much grain to gather. Each man should give as he has decided in his heart. He should not give wishing he could keep it. So this is now a matter of the heart. Do you see? We're talking about a mindset here. We're talking about a mindset and what's in your heart. You should not give wishing you could keep it. That means give begrudgingly, okay? Or should he, he should not give if he feels he has to give. I'm obligated. I don't have a choice but to give. God loves a man who gives because he wants to give. God can give you all, here's the word, all that you need. He will give you more then enough. You will have everything you need for yourselves. And you will have enough left over, here's his purpose, to give when there is a need. The holy writings say he has given much to the poor. His right standing with God lasts forever. It is God who gives seed to the man to plant. He also gives the bread to eat. Then we know he will give you more seed to plant and make it grow so that you will have more to give away. This is the purpose. God will give you enough so you can always give to others. Then many will give thanks to God for sending gifts through us. This gift you give not only helps Christians who are in need, but it also helps them give thanks to God. So it also changes the heart. When you're a giver, you're changing others' hearts. You are proving by this act of love what you are. Hmm. They, they will give thanks to God for your gift to them and to others. This proves you obey the good news of Christ. They will pray for you with great love because God has given you his loving favor. Thank God for his great gift. What a gift it is to have enough to be able to give. I'm going to say that again. What a gift it is to have enough to be able to give. That is a gift. That's a gift. And it's the purpose of God for us. And it is the opposite of living in lack. It is the opposite of poverty. It's the opposite of poverty. We can't help others if we're in need ourselves. We can never help someone else. You know, one of the amazing things to me, I got a great revelation one time when I was much younger because I was this type of person who, you know, I was into music and uh, I was, you know, part of a band and we would have to carry our own equipment and set up different things. And or even when I helped my friends work on a car or whatever it may be, you know, I, I, I think um, I don't think I invented this term, but I certainly embraced it. The term jerry rig. 
Anybody ever heard that term? Jerry rig. You know, I used to, I, I do whatever it takes to make it work. You know, if we had to put the red wire with the green wire, I couldn't tell those colors anyway, so I just put them together, you know, and hope the bomb didn't go off, you know, and whatever it is. I just wanted to do whatever it took <laughs> to make it work. That's what I wanted to do. And one day, Brother Eldon, I was working on something, and it just would, I couldn't work it. I couldn't get it off. I couldn't do the thing. And I actually went to the store and bought a socket set. And when I put that thing on there, Eldon, I mean, it came off just like that. And I said, what a revelation. Who knew? When you have the right tool, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> right? When you have the right tool. It's, it's, it was a revelation to me. Well, it's the same way in life. Who knew that if you had sufficiency and more than enough, how you could help people? But if I don't have enough and you don't have enough, Jesus said, it's like, shall the blind lead the blind? <laughs> we both just making each other more miserable. We've heard misery loves company. But it's this poverty mindset, and we have to get out of it. I'll tell you why. Here's what poverty actually causes. Poverty causes the inability of poor households to invest in property or ownership. Limited poor education leading to fewer opportunities. Limited access to credit. In some cases, creating more poverty via inherited poverty. This, this poverty mindset, it, it, it doesn't line up to me with the kingdom when I look at it. That's what poverty causes. I, I was looking at uh, a, a website, Compassion International, because I've been talking to them about doing some speaking for them, but it's, it's quite a big uh, endeavor, you know, to, to, to get involved and do speaking for them. So I've kind of been talking back and forth. And I tell you what, they're very convincing. They're very convincing because it is their desire to eradicate poverty around the world. And here's some of the things they gave me. They said, you know what, Pastor Mike, here is what poverty is. Let's just give you a list. Poverty is, is hunger right? Poverty is, is, is lack of shelter. Poverty is, is being sick and not being able to see a doctor. Poverty is not having access to education and not knowing how to read. We have a, a good friend who uh, is a literary uh, missionary, James Kigamo. Our church uh, supports them. He does it around the world. They translate even Bibles into the, the, the language and teach them how to read. Poverty is not having a job. Poverty is fear of the future. It's living one day at a time. Come on. Poverty is losing a child to illness brought on by unclean water. Poverty is powerlessness. Poverty is a lack of representation and freedom. Poverty is suffering relationships. It's always having to seek out others for help or to always have to, have to work for someone else. Poverty is being alone, unsupported, uninvolved, never consulted about anything. Poverty is having nothing to eat. Poverty is lacking the means to meet clothing and financial needs. Poverty is having not only nothing to eat, nothing to sell. Poverty is restricted rights and freedoms. Poverty is incapacity to make decisions. It's unable to, it means you're unable to feed or clothe yourself. Poverty is the fact that you're unable to act on your own initiative. When I look at all of these things, I don't see the kingdom of God in those things. 
I, I don't know about you. Maybe you can, you can tell me, you can, you can convince me or you can pray for me that I would get a revelation of how God is glorified when all of these things are happening, especially to his people. How is he glorified in that? But we have a poverty mentality. Okay, you say, so what, what are you? We see these problems. Pastor Mike, I mean, what are you, what are you up here? You, you, you're representing Compassion International. What are you doing? You're giving us a sermon or you, you're talking about uh, poverty around the world. Well, uh, this, I'm talking directly about the kingdom of God and how God wants us to change our mindset because there are those of us, and it's not just people in third world countries. There are those of us who have this poverty mentality. As I mentioned, it, you can have money in the bank and have a poverty mentality when you don't want to give to others. It's a poverty mentality. You know what a poverty mentality is? I describe it this way. Poverty mentality is buying what you want and begging for what you need. I'm going to say that one more time as well. A poverty mentality, Michael and Renee don't ever have this. A poverty mentality is buying what you want, but begging for what you need. It's a poverty mentality. Do you know that America is the only country that I've seen in the world where you can check the balance of your food stamps on your $1,000 iPhone? I'm talking about a poverty mentality. I'm talking about a poverty mentality, okay? A $1,000 iPhone, I'm checking the balance of my food stamps. I can buy a $10,000 car and have $3 worth of gas to put in it. And it's not even really $3 because I bought the really good car that takes the premium gas. So I can't even put a gallon of gas in it because premium's $3.39. I'm talking about a poverty mentality. You see, poverty is simply a state or condition in which a person or a community lacks the financial resources and essentials for a minimum standard of living. A minimum standard of living. And it means that the income level from employment is so low that basic human needs can't be met. I'm not talking about a get-rich-quick scheme this morning. But I believe that God wants you to live in abundance. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I realize that's more than finances. I'm just honing in just today on finances or on poverty, period. But it's more than that. It's what we've been talking about this whole time. And I feel like I don't have to prove to you, especially if you've heard uh, some of these messages in this series, the reason that we have to speak to the poverty mentality, why we have to speak to it, why it has to come out of our mouth. It can't just be something we think. We have to speak to it. We have to speak to this mentality. But here's the good news about it all. You do not have to accept the poverty mentality. It's time for us, and especially I'm talking to you as Christians, but it's time for all of us where poverty is concerned to stop accepting and start dictating. It's time for us to tell that mentality to talk to the hand. Poverty mentality. Talk to the hand. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the poverty mentality. It's time for you to talk to the hand. Now listen. When you tell it to talk to the hand, it's not going to go away right away. He's going to argue with you, going to try to make his point. He's probably going to talk to your hand. The poverty mentality will for a while. But you just got to keep that hand there. <laughs> that, what am I saying? I'm saying that it, things may not change overnight. 
Maybe you dug yourself in a hole. I've been there. You dug yourself in a hole financially. And guess what? You know, unless, uh, you know, God drops a safe from the sky and it, and it opens up or you know the combination and a bunch of money falls out, it's not going to happen overnight. But guess what? For the most part, we didn't get in these situations overnight. We didn't get in them overnight. And, you know, it's the whole teach a person to fish mentality is what we need to have. I love, I love miracles. We're going to talk about miracles at Easter time. God is a God of miracles. In fact, to me, to me, God himself is a miracle. Now, I, to him, he's not. He's just God. But to me, in my finite, carnal mind that I fight against and try to put away, it's a, he's a miracle. I, I don't understand. I don't understand eternity past and eternity future, and I'm not going to get into that because it blows my mind. So he's a miracle. So I love miracles. He's able to do miracles. You do miracles. You are great, Lord. You do miracles. But God wants us to be able to fish. He has empowered us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us mentors. He's given us great teaching. And guess what? Believe it, although some people, it doesn't show, he's given us common sense. Some of us as Christians, we look through the Bible and we really study it all out. And uh, the problem sometimes is not that we don't understand Greek or Hebrew, is that we don't understand English. God lays out things for us. He has a perfect plan for us to follow. But our mentality, that mentality. I mean, there's all kind of different poverty. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about finances, but there's social poverty. There's educational poverty, health poverty, spiritual poverty, environmental poverty, and yes, economic poverty. This poverty mentality, it includes how you think of yourself and your economic situation. Because God doesn't think of you that way. How you think of yourself and your economic situation. I'll always be in this. I was born into it. Guess what? It doesn't matter. God, Peter said this. He said, God is no respecter of persons. I know how the world is. You don't have to tell me all the issues that we have been through. You don't have to tell me when we talk, to, when we talk about politics and, and race and whatever. And it's nothing new. We think everything is new, what we're going through here in America. Since the beginning of time, there's been racial problems and all of these sorts of problems. I, I, I get all that. But listen, at the end of the day, can I just tell you that Peter said that God is no respecter of person. So I don't care what color you were born, what gender you were born, what side of the tracks you were born on, what country you were born in, or what economic state I'll go as far as say what you were born in if you follow God's plan you can get out of it now if you were born a Rockefeller it may not take you as long if you were born a Carter maybe it'll take you a little longer but you can follow his plan you can follow his plan the poverty mentality is what you say about yourself and your economic situation not just how you think about yourself but what do you say about yourself when people talk to you I'll always be in this situation. Well, I was born that. I was born this color. I was born, you know, a woman or this. I was born on this side of the tracks. Or I was born, you know, in Romania. Or I was born in the Philippines. Or I was born wherever. And just because of that, I'll always be this way. Well, guess what? Yes, you will. Because that's what you think and that's what you're saying. <laughs> it's not magic. It's not magic. I'm not telling you there's some magic in our words. But your words set you on a course. 
Because it, it, it talks about how you think out of the mouth, the abundance of the heart speaks. Come on. It talks about how you think. And when you think a certain way and you say certain things, your actions tend to line up with that. Is that practical enough for you? Your actions tend to line up with that. And so you're setting yourself on a course. And then, of course, it's what you do about yourself and your economic situation, your actions. Your actions, what you think and what you say set you on a course. It sets you on a course. I mean, we have these poverty mentality confessions. And, and listen, please also, no one, please be offended if you are in a situation where you're in debt or you're in lack or you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what's happened up to this point. Right? God is not condemning you. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save. That's what Jesus said. I came to save the world, not condemn it. So it's not about condemnation. It's not even about how you got there. I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking the mindset. We need to be sick of the mindset because I've had it. I've had the poverty mentality. I work so hard but still can't make ends meet. If the economy would turn around, I might have a chance. You don't understand what it's like to struggle. It's the story of my life. All of those could be factual statements. Don't get me wrong. But if that's what you're speaking all the time, you'll never get out off of that wheel. You'll always be the hamster on that wheel. And so we have to change our poverty mentality. We've, we've established that what you say matters. Your words are important. And what you're saying about your economic status is no different. Decide today. Decide to say that I am a giver. Verse 6 says, remember the man who plants only a few seeds will not have much grain to gather. The man who plants many seeds will have much grain to gather. God's economy is much different. God's economy doesn't begin with getting. It begins with giving. And even if you don't have much to give, the much preached passage about the widow's might always rings true. She gave what she had, because it's not about how much you have, it's about your mentality. I want to be a giver. I want to be a person who's able to help others. I don't want to be a borrower. I want to be a giver, even though my situation may, may say that right now. But where am I going? I want to be a giver. I am going to be a giver. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. His economy is different. The return on investment is governed by God's word in the kingdom, not by man's rules. In order to be delivered from a poverty mentality, you don't have to get more jobs. If you want some more jobs, that's fine. You don't have to even, now I'm going to say this. Listen, don't throw any tomatoes. I don't think we gave out tomatoes this morning. But you don't even have to seek more income to get out of the poverty mentality. Nothing wrong with more income. But I'm saying to get out of a power. See, this is the mentality. Oh, I have to get another job. I have to get a second job. I have to get more income just to make ends meet. And you're struggling and struggling. I'm talking about that mentality. I'm talking about that mentality. You have to decide you're going to follow the plan and the principles that God set forth in his word. And let it be from your heart. God promises that if your heart is genuine, you will have more than enough for you and for those in need. Verses 7 and 8, he said, God loves a man who, uh, who gives because he wants to give. God can give you all you need. He will give you more than enough. You will have everything you need for yourselves and 
you will have enough left over to give where there is a need. Say, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be. And you live in the overflow. You live in it. Practical matters. And we, we sabotage our own words. And we sabotage ourselves. We sabotage ourselves. Stop creating debt. Mm, okay. That you can't pay. Stop saying, I'll never be out of debt. I know it may not seem like it, but stop saying it. I, I love this word. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. And this is, this is my word. This is one word I can't say. I made it up. I made up this word. Everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. I don't care. It, it, it just, it's, it's just time. It's just time. But everything is figure outable, and God already has it. What we're really figuring out is it's not like we got to come up with all of the ways to do it ourselves. We just have to figure out what God is saying to us, figure out his plan. And can I say something to you? If you need a miracle, listen, ask God for a miracle. But if you really want to get out of the poverty mentality, stop praying for a miracle and follow God's economic plan. I know that might not go over too well. Because we love miracles in church. And I do too. You need a miracle, pray for a miracle. But sometimes momentary motivation rarely leads to long-term change. Now I know, I'm on, I know I'm on a practical road here this morning. And God is spirit. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Have you read Matthew chapter 6? where he talks about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and all of these things. And at the end of all of that, he says, but, but, but seek you first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. So I understand we're talking about a spiritual thing here. But we, it seems like a lot of times we sabotage ourselves. We've got to change our mindset and change our speech. Instead of saying, I'll never get out of debt. Instead of praying always for a financial miracle only to get back in debt and need another miracle. Start saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on. Start believing and speaking that God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. Start saying, yes, I've quoted it so many times, but guess what? Now I believe it, that I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart, not lean to my own understanding. And all my way, all, all my ways submit to him, and he'll make my path straight. He'll make my path straight, even when there's a storm. How do you think Jesus walked on the water in the midst of the storm? His path was straight, even though the storm was all around him. Start saying, I have been crucified with Christ, Brother James. Come on. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Start saying that instead of all the other stuff you're saying. Start saying, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see, because according to the Bible, our identity is not found in what we possess anyway. Our identity is not found in what we possess. So here's what I want to say. If, if what you're looking for, if your end game is to, to, to have a possession, then uh, you have the wrong end game. 
God's end game is for you to have more than enough so that you can be a giver. We know that we bless our life or we curse our life. So instead of saying, I'll never get out of debt, say, I will lend and not borrow according to Deuteronomy 28, 12. Start saying that. Instead of saying, I'll always be in debt, start saying, I have the favor of the Lord upon me to establish the work of my hands, according to Psalm chapter 90, verse 17. It's up to you whether you bless your economic life or you curse your economic life. Because as we said before, James 3.10 says, out of the mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. With our tongue, we can bless life or we can curse life. What are you saying about your economic situation? Let me just finish by saying this. Listen, Jesus had 70 disciples to feed that followed him around. They had to eat. Families, some of them had families. Did he supply for them? Yes. Isn't it amazing that out of 12 disciples, watch this. Out of 12 disciples, they didn't know that Judas had been stealing from the treasury. Have you ever thought about that? Why? Because there was always enough for every task. There was always enough. They didn't, only Jesus knew. They didn't even know. King Solomon asked for wisdom. Yes, because his end game, his end game wasn't just possessions. He asked for wisdom and God gave him wisdom and riches. He was the richest king of his day. Job suffered severe loss and we know that story. God, uh, he, he, he restored him and then some. And, and, and listen, we as Christians, we are joint heirs with Christ. That means what he owns you have a part in that. Yes, you reap what you sow. So if you sow money in good ground, come on. That's what you reap. Now, you have a right to be poor. You have a right. That is your right. But you don't have to when you're a child of God. Proverbs 10, says, The blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. That word there, sorrow, uh, in the Hebrew means toil, and it, it means toil. Right? In the Strongs, it means, uh, you know, that, that we're just struggling hard with no fruit. And so, are we supposed to work? Absolutely. The first thing God did when he created Adam and Eve, because Eve was in Adam when he created. So, he created Adam and Eve, right? Right? Remember, he took out the ribs. So, they were both there. When he created Adam and Eve, the first thing he did was give them a job. He gave Adam a job. You're going to tend the garden. Yes, we're absolutely supposed to work. But is the work of our hands going to be blessed or is it going to be cursed? Are we going to toil with, with no prosperity, with no fruit from our labor? Or are we going to have fruit from our labor? Sweatless victories like the Israelites stripping the Egyptians when they left. Come on. That's what God wants for us.